0: All right, we're back. Regularly scheduled Wednesday release after doing five episodes last week. So if you've been hanging out in the closet and you haven't listened to the podcast in a couple weeks, go check out five episodes from last week. We talked to five different guests about early season or spring muskie fishing. This week we are going to talk to Danny Thompson from Garmin. We had him on not so long ago. I'd say, I don't know, what was that? Maybe two months or so ago, whatever it was. There's been some new stuff coming out from Garmin, so we kind of wanted to update you on that. And then there was also some, you know, some questions from listeners that they had about units from the last episode, and we're going to cover those as well, as per usual. Brad and Carrie Hoppy from Muskie Mayhem Tackle are on, and so what's new with Muskie Mayhem Tackle over there in Minnesota? I'm guessing you guys had a nice weekend of weather, and now we're back to winter. We went from um, snow
1: two tornado watches back to snow so i mean it did i think get to almost 60 on saturday but it's kind of a weird day very humid
0: yeah we had much the same we had two day two nice days over the weekend we had sun saturday and sunday were both nice very windy but nice and then now we're like I said now we're back to winter musky season in southern wisconsin starts in just under two weeks so hopefully we see some improvement in the weather very soon but anyways, moving on from the weather, let's talk a little bit about... Musky Mayhem Tackle's got something going on on Thursday. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, Kerry.
1: Brad and two of our pro staffers, Chase Gibson and Stuart Mays, are going to be doing a Facebook Live event at 8 p.m. on Thursday, which is the 28th. Jump on, ask them questions.
2: What we have going on is two young guns. I mean, if you think about it, Chase Gibson kind of came onto the scene in the last year and a half. He held the uh, West Virginia State record for over a year. An exciting young fisherman. Then we have Stuart Mays, who has been in the musky thing for a little while. Another young gun. I guess I would call them both young guns. You know, It's something that <laughs> I think I was a part of the young gun revolution probably 15, 20 years ago. And here we are twenty years later, and we've got a couple new younger guys coming onto the face of the Muskie scene.
0: That sounds fun. So you guys are just gonna take a bunch of questions, or do you have a, a program you're going down? What, I guess what's the setup for Thursday night?
2: We're looking for questions. So we're hoping uh, people get out there, jump on Facebook live, Muskie Man tackle, and shoot us as many questions as you want. We're there to answer them.
0: Yeah, Brad has no problem staying up late. I know that. So just keep firing him. Brad will stay on till you know, one, two in the morning. That won't be an issue at all.
1: <laughs> I'm tapping out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know Brad won't. He'll be good to go.
2: I don't know, Jeff. We'll probably give it a good two hours. That's for sure. But if the questions keep rolling, we'll probably keep answering, like you said.
0: So there you go. There's some more information you can get uh, for musky fishing straight from Brad and a couple of their young guests on, on Thursday night. I guess with this intro, I have nothing else to add to it other than if you're looking for gear for your next musky fishing adventure, check out teamrhinooutdoors.com. We have pretty much everything that you're looking for for musky gear to get set up for this season. More and more stuff keeps showing up all the time. I don't know if we mentioned it, but we also did recently add some new colors from Musky Mayhem Tackle. Those finally made it to the website. I just got a whole pile of swimming dogs the other day, possibly see some chaos tackle any day now. So that's kind of what's going on with that.
1: Jeff, how about those sunglasses? Are
0: they live now? Yes, I have some sunglasses as well that Carrie's talking about. We got some Bahio sunglasses. If you've been wearing Costa sunglasses, I would say they are probably, what'd you say, Brad, maybe slightly better than a Costa?
2: Yeah, absolutely, without question. I've had the opportunity to wear them for probably a month and a half now. I've had them on the water, both in sunny conditions as well as overcast. Truly, truly, I mean, I... I can't tell you, Jeff, I've wore Costas for 25 to 30 years. And, you know, I, I put on a pair of Bajios and guess what? I am flabbergasted to say the least. That's the way I'll leave it.
1: Those of you who don't know, though, Bahio is the former Costa engineers.
2: No, it's, it's the, what the deal is with Bahio is Costa Del Mar was sold. And when that sale took place, Kind of some of the people got shuttled away from that organization, if you will. The people, the forefathers of Costa now have created Bahio. So I think what they've done is taken the sunglass world to another level. I mean, that's the bottom line. And once you put them on, I know some of the things that I heard, I was recently at a spring sale. And when I was there, I let different people try them on, go outside in a sunny, bright day. And everybody that put those on basically said straight out that I can't imagine. They they were blown away because your eyes kind of relax once you slide them on your face. It's that crazy. So definitely something to go check out.
0: Definitely. We have, like I said, we have the Bales Beach. That's what Brad likes to wear. I got a pair of nippers. Those are nice too. Both of them are, are really probably the most popular models and so we have those. If there's something from Bahio that you want to get, you can certainly shoot us an email, reach out to us, and so we can get whatever you want. They've been able to get uh, glasses to us fairly quickly. and uh, We don't have a pile of them, but we do have them, and if we need to order something, we can definitely do that for you. That's not an issue at all. Kerry, I appreciate you mentioning that. And then if you need other gear, check out muskymayhemtackle.com. Kerry, I know that you've put some new stuff up there recently as well
1: i finally got my act together and i got what we have left for show colors up and i got what we have for mika's custom colors up and we're slowly soon i think i should have the rabbit squirrels back up i think we're our inventory is getting to a point where we can do that again and yeah you just have to keep checking websites to see what's on there every once in a while we add something new or different. So you got to keep looking.
0: So one last time, go check out muskymayhamtackle.com. Check out teamrhinooutdoors.com for all your musky fishing needs. And then on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, go check out Facebook Live with Musky Mayhem Tackle. And let's go dial up our conversation with Danny Thompson. All right. Our guest this week is Danny Thompson from Garmin. And we had Danny on not even that long ago, Danny, it's been, I don't know, probably maybe a month ago, but we got a lot of feedback on your podcast and now Garmin has some new products out. So I'm going to kind of let you take the stage here a little bit and kind of talk about what's new for Garmin for 2022.
3: Yeah, for sure. It actually, it feels like winter when we, we talked, you know, just a few weeks ago, still outside even, but, um, you know the exciting thing at Garmin right now, obviously, is that new Livescope Plus system with the LVS thirty-four transducer, and you know it's it's really just kind of our next step forward in in the live sonar category, and, and it, it brings us you know a new improvement to what we currently had. So you know we currently had the Livescope LVS thirty-two transducer, the new one is going to be called the LVS thirty-four. And and the big thing is if you look at this transducer you can see it's noticeably a little bit bigger it's shaped a little bit different and so really a lot of the improvements were made you know with that transducer how it's built and and kind of how we do it even more so than probably some of the software but obviously there's software improvements as well and so what we're gaining is we're gaining a lot more clarity we're gaining a lot more range and we're gaining a lot better stitch points where you know, if you look at that transducer, there's, there's really three transducers on that that are kind of put together to make one image. And so the stitch points between each of those transducers is a lot better now. And so, you know, the target separation is going to be somewhere in the range of like 35% better. So when we're looking at those fish tight to the bottom... We're looking at those fish kind of at distance. That target separation is a lot better. The other thing that I've noticed with it is the range is incredible. I was actually out on Big Stone Lake in Western Minnesota, which is a little bit more of like a shallow lake. And I was actually able to see panfish like bluegills and crappies in about 12 feet of water. It's a pretty shallow lake at distances of 190 feet, which just never would have happened with the old LiveScope transducer. So, the distance is is a lot better than than what we've been seeing um but the big thing i think that people are really going to notice too is just you know you used to see that ghost tree when you'd get in shallow water or you had a hard bottom or you'd get a little bit of that starburst effect where the stitch points were you just don't see that everything is is eliminated all that noise i mean the picture just looks so much more clear now you know and so it, it's just really a big improvement kind of based on what we had we went with a new X design with the transducer as well. And so we kind of, instead of looking out to the side, like we did with the 32 and getting a little bit of a lobed image. Now that cone angle is directly under this new Livescope plus transducer. So when we're jigging under this transducer or, you know, using it for ice fishing or jigging muskies or whatever we're doing, that cone angle is looking straight down. Like it should, it's not looking off to the side. And so now drop shotting and jigging, your bait's right there in the middle where you want it. You get a better picture, a better range, I guess, of the bottom of what you're looking at because of that design. So the down mode, is good. there's going to be huge improvements there, you know, on top of all the clarity and, and the target separation and that kind of stuff. So it, it's really kind of a, a cool new transducer. It's one of those things where, you know, even my buddies has been like, hey, the 32 is pretty good. Do I really need to get this new LiveScope Plus? You know, is it really worth the upgrade? And, you know, it's like it, it, it's one of those things where it, it is really worth the upgrade on this. I mean, just the clarity for me, the distance that I can get in a little bit shallower waters, it's so much better. So it's a big improvement. Um, the awesome thing, you know, at Garmin, we try to always kind of backdate stuff. And so you're able to buy just the transducer, plug it into the current black box you have, use it with a head unit that you had. You know, if you've got like a Echo Map, um, UHD or any of the GPS maps, you know, with a software update, you're able to use it with any of those products. So um, it's not like you have to go and re-rig the entire boat. You know, you're you're literally looking at just a transducer, just a new system. So pretty cool upgrade. Uh, the clarity and that kind of stuff is incredible. I, I, I'm pretty excited about this product, that's for sure.
2: So one of my first questions, Danny, would be, I know that the shape of the transducer has changed. What is the importance of how do you direct that transducer? Is there, is there a certain way that you just lock it down and, and leave it? Or are you actually changing when you're jigging and looking straight down? Or if you're looking forward, do you change that on the transducer or just on the head unit?
3: For sure. And this that's actually a really good point because that that's one, I think, awesome improvement with this transducer is on the transducer itself and on the mount now, there's actually like a line for each mode that's like built into the transducer. So as far as putting it into your forward mode, you line it up with the forward mode lines and you're good to go. And then, you know, you put it into the forward or the down mode. It's like one click down and it's in that mode. So I think we made it a lot easier now to understand, you know, is the transducer in the right spot for which mode you want to use? Because there's three modes. You got forward, you got down, you got perspective. And so being able to see which one you're in now is so much easier than it was in the past and then the other thing is we're including the perspective mount now with this system so that was a hundred dollar you know mount that you just used to have to buy with the 32 system now it comes with it it actually has a thumb screw on it now instead of that shoulder bolt that shoulder bolt you know over time of going into perspective down and forward it would eventually work loose now you've got a thumb screw you can keep it tight you can easily move the transducer a lot of guys will move it from the boat to you know an ice kit in the winter time so we really kind of took a look at at how we were doing that and i think made a huge improvement so yes now knowing if you're in forward or if you're in down or if you're in perspective is a lot easier and just a lot more user friendly i guess than it's ever been
2: along with that though danny I, i know that you need to change that on the head unit correct
3: Okay, so this is kind of like a tech tip, right? So the transducer itself has has a lot of, like, compasses and self-levelers in it. So when I click it into that down mode from forward mode, as long as that transducer's in the water, it is supposed to give it a second, it'll self-level itself, realize what mode it's in, and it'll change it on the screen. Now, that doesn't always work, especially ice fishing where that transducer might not be sitting perfectly level because you got some snow on one side of the hole. So that's where we can go into the head unit. And this is the way I actually prefer to do it. I go into the head unit under your menu. It's under installation, orientation, and then you just select forward, down, or perspective right there. So it it can auto do it or you can manually do it.
2: Yeah, awesome. I I know that there was a few questions on that. So that's why I brought it up. Yeah, next. I, I think the next component to this whole thing is you still have a black box. And maybe you should share a little bit about that and how that looks.
3: Yeah, so obviously with LiveScope, we are processing a ton of information. You know, you got those that big transducer that essentially is like three transducers in one and it's taking a bunch of let's just say images and tying them together to make it live. It it requires a black box because The chart plotters themselves, they just wouldn't be capable of processing that much information at this current time. And so there's a black box that's kind of like the brain box of the LiveScope. And so your LiveScope transducer plugs into this black box. And then that black box processes all the information that transducer is getting and sends it to the chart plotter via a network cable. And so we require that black box um, to process that information. The good news is it's the same black box that that we've always had that worked with the LVS32. Now, let's say you're just upgrading your transducer. You're keeping the black box that you had with your 32. You're going to need to do a software update. So you do that software update, and then that black box is now Updated in order to be able to read with the new 34
2: transducer. Makes perfect sense. Uh, since you touched on it, maybe we should talk about doing updates on Garmin's real, real quickly. I, I know it is probably the most simplistic way of updating any unit I've ever used, um, but maybe you can uh, kind of give some quick little points on how easy it really is.
3: For sure, the biggest thing with software updates is you want to have everything on. So if we have three chart plotters in our boat, we have a live scope system and we have a PS 30 on the back of the boat, a pan PS 30 on the back of the boat. We want to have everything turned on when we do that software update. Cause there's going to be an update. For everything. And for example, if I have my live scope shut off when I do this update, I might update some of the stuff in the boat, but not that live scope. And now they're talking different languages. And that's when you'll see you know, transducer not detected. We want to have everything on so everything can get the update because there's updates for everything in your boat and it brings it to the latest, greatest software and, and kind of gets you at that level. Now, as far as doing the software update, there's essentially two ways to do it. You can do it through our app with Active Captain, and then use your cell phone. And then you can also do it the old-fashioned way, where you go to the Garmin software website, um, updates or marine software update, download it to your computer onto an SD card, and then you put that in one of the units and run the update. That's the way I prefer. I'm maybe just a little bit old school in the fact that I don't like using my phone to do it. Um, I prefer to use that SD card. It's super easy. You just download it right off your computer put it in the chart plotter I'll ask you if you want to update the software you hit yes and you're good to go so um that that's kind of what I prefer to do and and I love when customers do it that way because it just seems to to be a, a lot smoother operation
0: you know Danny I will say though I did it with active captain when I had to and I thought it actually worked really great compared to some of the other options that I've had to deal with before so if anglers do want to go that route I mean I understand you want to have him go with the SD card, but it's still a very good option.
3: For sure. And I guess what I should maybe say with that is the, the active captain option is awesome. What I like to ask the customers is one, are you pretty good on your smartphone or, or do you have trouble with that? Cause a lot of times, you know, when you throw that smartphone option in there and maybe I get an older guy, that's just not as great with technology. Sometimes it's easier for him just to do the SD card. Cause he's not understanding how to, Connect the Wi Fi from his phone to his chart plotters. But I mean, if, if you're even halfway techie, the Active Captain Way is, is a good option. It just requires a little bit more knowledge of, I guess, you know, technology.
2: So, Danny, I get questioned quite often about what mounts guys are using for their live scope. And there's so many different options out there. You know, you have the TraxTech, you have the Fin Gear, you have a Brew City, Fishing Specialties. There's a ton of different systems out there can you kind of maybe clue in the the listener on exactly what you look at and maybe even what you're potentially using? Yeah. yeah so
3: for me, it, it really kind of comes down to, you know, everybody's going to have a different opinion on this. It's like, if you were to ask, you know, a bunch of guys, what's, what's the best kind of pickup you can buy? I mean, you got your Ford Chevy Ram guys. It just, it kind of, kind of depends a little bit myself personally. I love the brew city pole. I like how it's made the biggest factor for me on the brew city one is I love that you pull the pin, you flip it up and lay it horizontal when you're moving to your next spot. And then you can flip it back down. I have a hard time with the ones where you got to take it out of the mount and set it on the floor of the boat, because the most delicate piece of of a live scope transducer is that cable. And I don't want people standing on the transducer cable. So if I can keep all of that kind of, really on the outside of the boat, right to the pole. And I'm not having to worry about that bouncing around in the bottom of the boat or happen to get stepped on. I love it because of that. I also like that there's a little bit of flex in that brew city pole where, you know, I've got some shallow water guys, especially crappie guys, where if you get in shallow water and and you happen to hit something with a solid steel pole, you know, then you're in trouble. You're ripping the rails out of your boat or something like that. But I've got a musky guy that I know, you know, pretty well up in the Bemidji area. That's got a, a solid, I think it's the Traxtech one on the side of his boat. And it works awesome for him because he's trolling at a pretty good clip and he can't have any flex in his pole, you know, and he's not obviously going to hit anything because he's in a little bit deeper of water. And so it, it kind of depends on what type of fishing you're doing, but also what kind of, you know, mount you have in, your, have in your boat as well. So the Trax Tech one, awesome if you have tracks. I like the Brew City one because of, you know, the stuff I pointed out, and he does have multiple mounts for it. I fished with a fishing specialties one at one point, and it it works really well if you have a spot to put that pole in the boat when you're moving to your next spot.
2: Yeah, I definitely would agree with all of that. I've been around the Traxtech mount. If you're using it as a static mount, I'd say it's awesome. Um, And what I mean by static is, you know, if you're trolling and you just want to watch a bait, you're not trying to turn it. Track stack makes a solid, solid mount. There's no question about it. Um, again, that's one that you remove though when you go to the next spot, or you can you can swing that one in as well. But I guess uh, mm-hmm. I would recommend probably pulling it in. I, I have not been around the brew city. I have seen the fishing specialties. They all have their uniqueness to it, right? I think about it this way, like if I'm running around with my trolling motor, I would want something that's fluid and easy to turn. And I can just say, knowing what I know about the Traxtech, that one's a little bit tough if it's under pressure to actually make it turn. It's metal to metal, like well, makes a struggle.
0: So Danny, you had mentioned that, you know, Garmin likes to make everything backwards compatible as much as they can, which is obviously appreciated for the angler if you already have a scope set up and you're looking to change your transducer to the LVS34, first off, what's the availability on it? And second of all, what's it going to cost?
3: Yeah, so that 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 is the cool part. That's what I love about Garmin is we do a good job of taking care of the customers that we already have, you know? And so being able to make things backwards compatible is important to us. And a lot of times, you know, it, it helps kind of make it easier for the customer to upgrade, obviously. So, you know, you can literally get by with buying just the transducer or you can buy the entire system, the entire system, you know, you're going to be looking at about 1800 bucks versus about 1200. If you're getting just the transducer, you know, what, what I have found is some guys are buying just that transducer. Some guys are, are buying the entire system because they're selling their entire Old system of the thirty two so it just kind of depends on what situation you're in. you know some guys are like, "Hey, I want to have both transducers so so we make it easy for you to do that by being able to purchase both. you know as far as product availability goes, of course, you know that's a little bit of, of a tough spot these days, but on the bright side is Garmin's doing a great job of being able to get stuff out in this Livescope plus system, you know in the transducers is is definitely an example of that where we announced it we started shipping them, you know, really quickly. We did have a little bit of a weird announcement. So it kind of caused a little bit of delay, but we've already got them showing up in stores. I've got stores down here in the cities that have them in stock. I've seen, actually seen a Shields post this morning where they had some in stock. We're, We're seeing them show up every week. So, you know, I think the wait time is about five to eight weeks if you were to order one today. But the good news is, is retailers are getting them in, you know, slowly and surely. So you pay attention you you can actually get your hands on one um but if you were to you know the waiting list time is about five weeks otherwise just to clarify on
0: pricing that price is just basically for the system that doesn't include a screen you that's obviously an extra cost
3: yeah obviously that's just for live scope what i tell guys is think of live scope as like an accessory so you can literally, you know, add live scope um, to your current system or if you buy the live scope you're going to need to buy a chart plotter to go with it.
2: I know from the last podcast we uh, myself I got a ton of questions. I'm guessing you did as well. And maybe this is a good time if we could uh, just kind of jump out there and start talking about some of these questions and hopefully, you know, the people that that reached out to yourself or myself or potentially Jeff if there's a few there's probably a ton of questions about different things and one of the questions that i know that came up a bunch was about the ps30s
3: yeah for sure and and the thing that i love and that's a cool thing about podcasts like this is like the questions i got were very core musky guys you know and so the, the cool part is they're looking for information that they're not finding on the other mainstream stuff they're you know so They're your, your hardcore musky guys. And I know one of the questions I got on that 30 is like, Hey, if I had a PS 30, can that like replace my 2d sonar? You know, can I get rid of a 2d transducer? You know, I guess my response to that really is no, you you still are going to want a 2d transducer. And that is for track and bottom at high speeds, you know, mark and fish at high speeds, all the great stuff that we can do with 2d sonar. But where that PS30, that panoptics really comes in is at these side imaging speeds and at lower speeds. So jigging under the boat, watching those follows come into the boat, looking out to the side and having a live side imaging, you know, basically. And so when people ask me about like, okay, well, what is that speed number? Well, it's live. So it's as fast as your brain can process that image, you know, is how fast you can read it. So. You know, I think a lot of times for me, it's like two and a half miles an hour or less, you know, where you're actually going to see that fish come across the screen and, sh- and shoot off pretty quickly, you know. So that that's kind of, kind of, I guess, you know, breaks down the speed on that. But yeah, I mean, you still are going to need a 2D transducer in, you know, accordance with that PS30, I think.
2: How about if you incorporate the history mode um, as you're going, does that increase your speed whatsoever? It definitely would. So that obviously helps because then it's slowing
3: down, you know, what it's seen and kind of giving you that scroll history. But what I will say too about the PS30 is it's a big transducer. I mean, that thing is, it's a brick. It looks like a small brick. It's a big transducer. So at some point, you know, a lot of, depending on how you mount it, and a lot of guys are really good at mounting the transducers, but you know, the thing about all transducers is we need clean water coming across that transducer. So if you got that 30 where all of a sudden, you know, when you get moving 5, 10 miles an hour, eventually you're getting some bubbles or it's kind of coming up out of the water if you mounted it to a jack plate or something like that. But if you got it mounted nice and low, I think like on my boat, I got it mounted, you know, right on the bottom. And I can read at pretty good speeds with it, but stuff goes by really fast. So yeah, if you turn on the scroll speed... Would definitely help the limiting factor there, just making sure you get clean water coming across
2: that big transducer yeah that's an awesome uh, point to that whole deal i don 't care what transducer it is, and it's amazing. you know I mean I get tons of different emails and messages about man, I just can 't seem to get a good, clear reading, and number one is it's usually because it's put in a place where there's a chime or potentially it's too high or you're looking at so many different factors there and you definitely can screw things up in a big hurry if it's not mounted properly yep for sure what are some of the other questions that you uh seen come through as messages
3: you know one one question that came up was on the side imaging garmin made a big jump i guess in the side imaging this past year when we went from our 34 and 54 transducer to the 36 and 56. The one that ends in the sixth, the new one, our side imaging is significantly better. So, you know, that's another one of those kind of like core musky guy that really wants the best side imaging for marking specific types of weeds or seeing fish and that kind of stuff. So, yes, the 56 is a big improvement. It's kind of like when we were talking live scope, going from a 32 to the 34 i mean these new 56 and 36 transducers is that much better now yeah there's a lot of good deals out there right now on those 93s with like a 54 transducer which is great but if you really want the best of the best side imaging you got to find a 93 or or whatever the head unit is but with that 56 transducer when
2: was that introduced danny so that would have come out, oh
3: boy, now you're testing me. That, that would I, I think that was probably Bassmaster Classic a year ago. So it would have been, you know, kind of over the COVID year and then through, through this, uh, this year or so.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of different things that were introduced maybe kind of got lost with that time period, but definitely something to check into. For sure. I got a quick question, Danny, that, I know with the LVS 32s guys were starting to use the little Ram mount for changing to three, the three different modes yep. that won't even be part of the equation with the 34, correct?
3: Yeah. Cause now, now with the perspective mount mount coming with it, I don't think you'll see that as much.
2: Right. So the next question that, uh, People pose to myself, and I'm guessing you as well, is the new mapping sit, uh, system that Garmin is offering. And maybe you can kind of touch on that again and, and uh, give people a little bit more in-depth conversation about exactly how that mapping is working.
3: You know, it was actually kind of a very exciting piece for me this year. Is We, 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 you know, we purchased Navionics a few years ago, and we kind of talked about that on the last podcast as well. But we, you know we purchased Navionics. We've been kind of slowly integrating that in and this year with the new Garmin Navionics Plus and now the Navionics um, Vision Plus, the mapping is finally like just dialed in. It The way we display it now looks very good. The contour lines are great. The depth shading is, is a big improvement. You know, so just big improvements there. So there, there's a few lakes in the state of Minnesota that are what we call max death lakes. And so one of the questions I was getting is, you know, what, what does that really mean? What does that do? And so one of the things that the Max Def Lakes offer is a relief shading option or overlay on the map. And so these are going to be for Casp, Bemidji, Vermilion, Mille Lacs, Leech, White Bear, and then the St. Croix River. So a lot of these big lakes, especially lakes with big muskies in them. And so we're able to add that relief shading and it's almost kind of like sonar imaging, if, if you can imagine that. So when we went and mapped these lakes, you can see rock piles and little humps and different things within the contour lines that even the contour lines don't show. So finding, you know, little rock piles that, you know, are kind of subtle, but they're there and it wasn't enough to create, you know, like a different contour line, so to speak. And just being able to zoom way out on the map and be able to pick out these you know, spots, you know, I think of like a famous spot on Malax. you know, off of Indian Point And, you know, you can see the rock piles where they had fallen off of the, you know, that rock spine that comes out. So that relief shading is a really cool option that is on that mapping. Now, one thing is off of that is Garmin built-in mapping has Navionics in it, obviously, but, it, but it's kind of a combination of Garmin mapping and Navionics mapping. So If in the past you've ran Navionics, this is actually going to be even a step above that. And then, you know, one step further from that, a Navionics chip does not work in a Garmin. So if you have a Navionics chip, that won't work in a Garmin. And and the reason is just because of how we are giving you the added benefit of the Garmin and Navionics mixed together in our units. So that's where you really want to take a look at that Garmin um, Vision Plus card that relief shading for those lakes is really a cool you know benefit and i guess upgrade
2: now i'm going to assume that they're for every different head unit that you guys are producing and availability on those danny
3: yeah so awesome news that chip is in stock and yeah they they work in any of the head units that take a chip so if you're running the echo maps you're running the gps maps you are good to go you take that chip and and put it in the sd
2: card slot and and you have that information right away awesome news that's for sure you know navionics was kind of king for a long time it's kind of interesting that you guys have that now that's definitely going to be a, a a changing factor for those guys that are running garmin units
3: for sure and and the cool thing too with that is i mean we're continuing to, to drive that. So there's a lot of new lakes that I think the musky guys specifically are going to be very excited about that are going to be added to that max depth list here in the next few years.
2: Yeah, I'm going to assume that you guys are uh, going to be continuing to map out tons of different bodies of water across the country, not just here in Minnesota as well.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's some, I mean, we got Wisconsin, the Dakotas. I mean, obviously with bass fishing being so big down South, some of those lakes down South, we've got some great mapping on those and and even more to come on on them as well. So yeah, I mean, just, just a lot of, a lot. I mean, that's a cool thing with Garmin is they're just always trying to push the envelope and continue to improve. And I mean, mapping is just one piece of it, but it's a big piece of it, you know? So it's nice to see that we do have that dedication to grow each different Piece of the of the technology, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think uh, one of the other questions uh, you hinted in the last podcast was that uh, there was going to be some other new stuff that uh, is being developed at this point. And I know tons of people are like, "What is it? What is it?" And I'm like, I have no idea. How am I supposed to know? I said, I don't even know. Danny really knows. But uh, people are always intrigued. They always want to have that cutting edge. And Garmin has definitely provided a lot of cutting edge tools for the fishermen over the last however many years.
3: Yeah, for sure. And that that's kind of the fun part. Like I'm a sales guy. So of course I'm usually the last to know, cause they know we'll tell everybody. So, you know, typically we're the last to know. but one thing, you know, I've been at Garmin now for a little over six years, I think. And one thing that I've learned is never to assume that we have the like the new live scope is out and we're not going to settle on that we're going to continue to try to improve that and you know the new echo map ultras that are out there are awesome units but we'll continue to improve that stuff and so they never kind of sit by and get complacent on what they have and so we'll continue to drive the products and drive the technology which helps drive the industry i mean you look, all electronics companies are offering live sonar now, you know, that's something that maybe would have taken even longer if it wasn't for Garmin coming in and kind of, you know, offering that stuff. So I think it, it, it's good for both the consumer and the industry to continue to drive, drive the, the business and drive that technology forward.
2: Yeah. I couldn't say it any better. That's for sure, Danny. And so, you know, with that premise, what you just kind of shared there, If uh, I'm just getting into the sport, you know, and I'm looking for what unit to purchase at this point, I've had this question posed on me a bunch, you know, do I sell my old units? Do I switch over? Do I do this? Do I do that? Can you kind of maybe give the listener a little bit of an edge on how or what they should be looking for to start, you know, rigging their first boat or potentially brand new to the sport? What units they should be looking at? For
3: sure. And I mean, obviously there's tons of variables and it gets overwhelming to the point where it's like, I just, I don't even know what to buy. But one thing that I like to suggest to my consumers is try to buy what is the latest and greatest at that time. If you go out and you buy something that's discontinued and it's on sale 50% off, you're starting at the back of the line already. So if you start with what is the latest and the greatest, and I don't care what company it is. Your your ability to keep that unit longer into the future and have it be compatible with stuff into the future is just that much more. So if you're starting with something that the companies are already saying, okay, we're done with it, we're discontinuing it, we're discounting it, you're starting, you know, behind. You're already behind in technology. So you want to start with what's latest, what's new, and then as far as that goes, is you know, obviously you got to look at your budget, but. I love to see guys start in that nine inch screen size. I think that's a great size that can fit, you know, multiple categories from the guy that's going to end up putting four units in his boat to the guy that's fishing out of a 14 foot tiller and is going to have one unit in that boat. You buy the nine, you know, it's going to be networkable. It's a big enough screen where we're able to split the screen and have sonar on one side, map on the other. It's a good unit if you ice fish that you could actually take that and use it as an ice fishing unit as well. So you're able to really kind of be able to do a lot of things with one unit. So, you know, our Echo Map 93 has maps built in, does all the different sonar features. It's capable of running live scope. I mean, it's a great starting point and and a great starting point to be able to build a system off of in the future. So, you know, you're looking at about a $1,200 head unit that will do pretty much anything you would want it to do. So I that's kinda where I like to see guys start. Um obviously it is it comes in a seven. They they come in a twelve. You you can kind of vary from that. But if you really kinda start there, you're starting in a in a good spot.
2: Well near you're a guy like me that's getting a little bit older and my eyesight's starting to go. <laughs> I'm I'm looking at twelves or even potentially bigger. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> For sure, yes. Yeah. It's always a struggle. I mean, it's amazing over a period of years, um, how my screen uh, sizes have changed, right? I mean, it it seems like I keep opting to go bigger and bigger.
3: For sure. And when I started, I mean, seven inch really was the starting spot. Everybody was buying sevens, you know, some guys were buying sixes. Now I, I don't sell that many sevens. I'm really selling probably 10 is the more common one. Nine, nine is probably the most popular but nine ten and twelves are really what we're selling today it seems like
2: now you do offer some bigger screens than twelves but is that more yeah. geared towards the saltwater world or are you seeing a bunch of freshwater fishermen upgrading from twelves and bigger
3: it is i'm you know obviously we go all the way up to a 24 inch screen a lot of that is the saltwater guys, you know, and the freshwater stuff, the inland stuff that I do. 12 seems to be where we're at. And part of it is price. I mean, you you can get two 12s a lot of times for the price of 117 or, you know, something like 122 or something like that. I see a lot of guys going that route. I even see a lot of guys doing two nines instead of 112, just because, you know, the 18 inches of screen is, is more than 12. And so. I do see that a lot of times it depends on how much room you have to mount in your boat, you know, but, um, yeah, 12, 12 has been about the biggest that I see in our area right now.
2: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. You know, and and a lot of the newer boats that are coming out, I mean, definitely are providing the area to put at least two 12 inch screens now, you know, where years previous, it was tough to put two 12 inch screens and, I think the boat manufacturers are growing with the electronic companies that's for sure. So definitely something to think about. One of the things that I always struggle with Danny is that as again maybe it's because of my eyesight but even before my eyes were going I I still always like to have specific units for doing specific things. And what I'm talking about is if I'm going to run my down imaging or my 2D I wanted a screen just primarily just for that. And then potentially I could put my GPS map on there, but then when you go into like a side imaging, I never want to share a screen for my side imaging. So right away, I'm looking at two units, maybe three.
3: Yeah, especially, I mean, with live scope, I mean, you really want the whole screen for your live scope. And that's that's one cool thing about live scope is you can kind of eliminate 2D and down imaging anymore as a screen that you need to look at when you're using live scopes. But, um, yeah, most, uh, most everybody that runs live scope is going to run a whole screen of live scope and then another one for map or something like that. But, you know, I, I, see that pretty much all the time now.
2: Can you share your opinion on mounting your live scope to your trolling motor versus a accessory pole of some sort?
3: Yeah. So I personally prefer it on a pole over the side of the boat. A lot of times if I'm spot locking and I'm casting to a point, or if I'm, you know, pulling myself into the wind kind of slow, I just, I like to be able to turn that live scope and look where I want to look. Now on a cable style motor, I use the Garmin force trolling motor, obviously. So it's, it's a scissor lift style motor. I can mount the live scope to it easily. That, that is, that does work and it's nice except when you're in spot lock. You know, because I can turn that trolling motor head really quickly, and the the live scope is looking at what the trolling motor is pointing to, essentially. It works, but I really prefer it on a pole over the side of the boat. If you're going to jig, I do a lot of walleye fishing or crappie fishing, and, and having that pole is so much more beneficial than having it on a trolling motor for that type of fishing. Now, if all you did was bass fish or all you did was fish the weed edges for muskies and you never jigged, you never did that, Having on the trolling motor isn't bad, you know, because you're not spotlocked all the time, you know?
2: Yeah. I look at it the same way, Danny. And the reason I do is I th- I think no matter what electronics aside, uh, boat control is so in- incredibly important in my opinion, especially when it comes to muskies and, and it's likewise with every species, but, The last thing I want to do is counter my boat control based upon trying to see something on a screen. So the poll to me is the best option. For sure.
0: All right. So Danny, if anybody's looking for more information on any of the products here, what's the best way they can go about doing that?
3: For sure. You know, obviously guys can reach out to me on Instagram, on the messenger there, but really the best way to get quick information, be able to really, you know, get close to the products is reach out to your local dealers. I mean, we've got an amazing network of dealers now all across the United States that's selling this product um, from big box retail right down to your local shops. You know, I've got a lot of great local shops right here by me in the cities um, out in Wisconsin, you know, Dakotas, everywhere you go, people are, are stocking the garments and are, are knowledgeable on them and um seeing a lot more of it. So feel free to stop into those guys and support them. And uh, you know, get all the Garmin information that you're looking for I guess. Well
0: Danny in that case I just want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk Garmin with us I'm sure this will bring up some more stuff and there will be more updates and new products as there always is and I'm sure we'll get you back on again at some point point. and until then I want to thank all of our listeners for putting up with us for another episode and we'll catch everybody again with a new one next week.